Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities. I am your host, Sean Leary. As always on QC Uncut, we offer uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers, whether they be in the realm of sports or entertainment or politics or whatever. Really, anybody who uh, we think would be an interesting conversation, we sit down and talk to. And as always, it is just the conversation, all context, no editing. I sit down. I hit record, I start talking, they start talking, and we don't stop until we stop the tape. And today, we have a very special guest. This is Mike Tomes, uh, who is the mayor of Rock Island. Now, last time I talked to Mike, he was a candidate for mayor, and I interviewed all the mayoral candidates. And um, now Mike has, of course, won the the, uh, mayor's position here in Rock Island. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that and about um, the campaign and about various other issues today. So, Mike, thank you so much for agreeing to be on QC Uncut. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Now, when I last talked to you, of course, you were a candidate. Um, How did it feel to win the election? Um, Were you surprised at all about winning the election? And um, what were, you know, the first couple of days in office like? What was it like? I mean, was this a little surreal for you? Were kind of like, you know, hit the ground running? What exactly, you know, walk us through that? You can't can't say that I was surprised about winning. I was uh, very humbled uh, that the citizens uh, voted for me. I got 53% of the vote. There was four of us in the campaign. So it was a mandate, if you want to call it that. Uh, so that was a good feeling. Uh, the first couple days in the office, uh, we're just really getting acquainted with people. That was the biggest thing, is understanding who does what. Going and talking to the inspections department, uh, the police, and uh, what my role is uh, to a certain degree. Uh, I knew as far as what authority I had, but at the same token, sometimes is what uh, uh, what influence do you have. And so I was trying to feel that out and work on uh, making sure that it was a uh, smooth uh, transition. Now, what were the things that um, you mentioned you knew a lot of? you know, what the mayor's position entailed, but that there were some things that also perhaps you didn't know quite as much about. What were some things that you learned coming into the position and talking to some of the people that you did? You know, one of them is liquor commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that uh, they were, you know, you played that role, but I didn't realize that the, even though there is a, uh, a committee, a liquor uh, commissioner committee, uh, but the mayor has the sole right of decision-making for uh, issues with the liquor licenses, uh, not only approving, but revoking or suspending, et cetera. And so so that was, I guess, new and trying to learn all the different situations that happened there. Uh, so that was one that uh, took it some more a learning curve. It was a little little steeper than I anticipated. Um, the other was is that you have a tendency to thinking, you know, it, it, to call somebody and say, hey, can you work with this? Or uh, the citizen called and complained about that, um, that you need to make sure you follow the, the, the right procedures. People respect in, uh, the mayor's role and the mayor uh, that's there no matter who it is and so sometimes they view that as an order they get from their boss and so you don't want to abuse that and make sure you understand that that it really should be going through the city manager and uh, in the right proper procedure so that took a little uh, learning and on how people uh, interpret that We'll get back to the Liquor Commission thing in just a little while, but one of the questions I wanted to ask is when I talk to each of you as candidates, um, 
all of you said, I said, would you be willing to work with the person that wins? And um, all of you said, yeah, sure. Everybody's got good ideas. Have any of the previous candidates reached out to you? Uh, have you met with them? Have you talked with them in regard to you know any of the ideas, ideas they may have had um, when they were running for mayor? And um, what has been the outcome of that? You know, I have only talked to one that was Steve Tallinier, partially because he's, he's still he's in the city alderman. council, yeah, alderman. alderman, and so yes, yeah. exactly. So, uh, so I have talked to him, um, and uh, we've talked about a few things that uh, he's thought about, but for the most part, just uh, uh, just the in some of the initiatives that happened in the past. I have not uh, spent much time in talking to the other candidates who are out there. No, and Steve's not running again, is he? My understanding that I have not heard it directly from him, but I have heard that uh, that's his thoughts. When is the election? It is in um, March or April, April of 2019. Interesting. Um, so let's go back to the liquor commissioner commissioner um, issue. Um, now, not so much an issue, but um, how can that be utilized? Uh, like, say you have a business that's problematic, or you have an area that a, a business that you know perhaps would be augmented uh, and helped by having a, a liquor license. What type of decision making goes into that? Do you look at a hit the history of the business before the history of the business owner? Um, things that you know, incidents that may be occurring on the premises. If the police have been called there a number of times, is that a something that goes into the decision to possibly revoke a liquor license um, or? to not grant a liquor license to somebody who has perhaps owned a problematic bar in the past. Um, and conversely, on the upside, uh, if you've got a business that, you know, say they're a restaurant or something, um, and they're looking to get a liquor license and you feel that, oh, well, this will really help their business, what are the decision-making, you know, what are thoughts that go into that? You know, a lot of it is the past history. Not just history of the individual that owns the uh, bar or restaurant, but also the location. We've had some areas that uh, even in previous uh, owners, uh, the location is of such that a three o'clock in the morning license mm -hmm. just doesn't make sense. There's been a lot of problems there, and not just one or two, but a, a good number. And so, then the a new owner takes over. You try the three o'clock, and still have issues. Uh, we've had a situation like that, and and we change it to a one o'clock, and there's been no problems. And so, it's it's looking at the history is very very important. Also, if there's any kind of disciplinary things that have to happen, we really try to make it uh, a, a progressive type of a deal. So the first time it may be a, a financial fine. Uh, the second time it may be a larger fine uh, and maybe a day suspension. Uh, you know, another, and, and a third one, you know, once again, depending on the issues. Um, and so that plays into it. You look at that history and say, well, what was uh, done in the past? even before me or with uh, me as, as liquor commissioner. So those all play a role. There's no doubt that uh, a restaurant, a, f a full-blown, full-service restaurant, wanting a liquor license typically doesn't have, to have a problem. Uh, now, once again, location and the history of the individual. But we go through background checks. We do fingerprints. We check for state and federal uh, issues to make sure that uh, that's okay. Uh, and so to make sure that everybody's safe and, and it's legit. Now, not naming any names of places, but I think, you know, you and I both know there have been a couple of problematic locations. Um, some of them are closed. Uh, looking forward, if someone wanted to open a bar at these places, would you 
uh, encourage them to do that? Would you, you know, kind of talk to them in regard to the past problems that have been there? Uh, what are some of the things that might happen if somebody was going to open or reopen a place in a problematic location? Again, not to name names, but I think we both know there are a couple of spots where there have been issues. That's correct. And, and so I would probably try to talk to that individual and see what their theme is going to be, what, what type of music they're going to play, uh, what type of crowd they're going to attract. And, and I don't mean that by racially or anything else. No, no, no. Uh, no, I think it's just there are, there are certain spots that you and I both know, having lived in Rock Island a while, that for whatever reason... It's been problematic in that particular, you know, spot, and, and it's not just, you know, on the west side or whatever. It's down here in the district or whatever. You know, there's just for whatever reason there are spots that just seem to that don't click. That's correct. And some of the ones we're, I think we're thinking about are down. We're down in the district here. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. And, and legally, uh, if someone's license is revoked, uh, believe it or not, that location cannot have a liquor license for 12 months. So there has to be a 12-month, no matter who owns it, what happens, it cannot have a liquor license for 12 months if a license has been revoked. So uh, that gives a cooling-off period, so to speak, so someone's not trying to capture what was already there. Uh, and people maybe forget about it. Uh, so, And that's happened in, in, in two cases that I'm aware of. Uh, so I would, but once again, if someone came in and said, we want to open a bar, and, and uh, that, I would try to take a look at what theme they're going to have. What t- uh, are they going to offer any type of even snack food? Um, individuals, of course, the background, as we talked about before, checking that out. But uh, try to encourage them to be uh, a more, um, I'm trying to think of the right words. I, want, I don't want to use the word classy, but that comes up. Is that, But, uh, you know, a... a family-orientated type of a situation. Now, not, once again, not kids, but uh, the loud music, DJ uh, uh, type deal uh, is not something we're at this point looking for downtown in the district, especially. Uh, we're looking more for, if you want to call it a piano bar, um, a, a arcade type bar, a theme, some type of a theme and uh, that's with it uh, that lends itself to uh, um, the neighborhood. Well, yeah, you've already got, I mean, there are already dance clubs down in the district, you know, as it is. And honestly, I go out quite a bit, and I go to the district quite a bit. Um, The district, to me, it's one of the cool things. It's it's one of the most culturally diverse places in the Quad Cities. I mean, it doesn't, downtown Davenport, Village of East Davenport, downtown Moline. All of which I go to, and vary to various degrees. Not as much as the district. The district is the most culturally diverse, and on, and honestly, people get along. I think that you know Rock Island gets a bad rap um, for being you know a dangerous place to go or violent or whatever. And I personally, as someone who has gone out literally thousands of times in the district, I never really. I mean, you see fights every once in a while, but. I see fights at bars all the time. I mean, you see fights at bars over in Davenport, uh, Hawkeye Tap, again, like over far west Davenport. I've seen fights there. I've seen fights in downtown Molina Bar 1848, you know. Um, but nobody's like, you know, oh, my God, don't ever go back to that place again. It just happens. When people and alcohol are involved, sometimes you get people, jealous boyfriend or whatever, and stuff happens. I don't think downtown Rock Island is any worse than any other places and in fact if you look at the crime statistics recently davenport seems to be experiencing a spike in crime levels but people don't say oh my god stay away from downtown davenport how do you 
and we, we've talked about this before is uh, and I talked to Dylan Parker about this quite a bit is how do we counter that perception of Rock Island being a dangerous place to go how do, do we you know, get people to realize you know what this is just endemic to bars in general and people in general and no matter where you go you might get this situation Rock Island is, is just as safe as any place else absolutely there's no doubt about it if you start out with let's talk about the crime statistics and everything else uh, Rock Island has experienced uh, double digit decreases in crime both uh, major crimes and minor crimes uh, in the last two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's been a little bit of uptick as we've all seen in the in the Quad Cities with these car thefts and the youth and everything else in all the communities. So there's been an uptick in that side of it but uh, overall Rock Island has had a double digit decrease in any kind of major crimes. Um, and that's not just saying it was real high and boy it's now coming down. Um, we're down in, in reasonable situations. They're going to happen anywhere in, in any city. It goes back to if you relate it to the bars and everything else, everything is great in moderation. So you don't need uh, lots of bars. You don't need 20 bars down here and no restaurants. You don't need 20 restaurants and no bars. Uh, you need some clothing stores. And so it's the right mix and the right moderation of anything. And that's where it's the, the liquor commissioners and the city council's job to work on that mix and make sure it happens. Rock Island, there's no doubt, has got the stigma of crime, not just downtown. Uh, unfortunately, they, some people think the whole city's that way. Uh, and, it, and it goes back to the loony days, which is terrible to say that it's lasted that long. It's a very, very difficult thing to try to get rid of those perceptions. Um, we've tried marketing campaigns, uh, and we've tried uh, uh, getting rid of some bars. Uh, we've tried changing some themes. And, and it gets better, but still there's people out there that have that stigma, that feel that stigma's there. And uh, it's just a matter of word of mouth. You know, it's just continuing to do things like neighborhood parties, uh, unity outings, um, the police getting involved in the community activities, uh, those type of things. We just, it's a slow and steady way of showing people that Rock Island is a very safe place, very friendly, and you can have fun here. I was talking to someone the other day. Actually, I was talking to John Timmer, who you know we will get to in a little little bit. Um, who just uh, bought the uh, uh, Milan Lanes, renovated the Milan Lanes. Well, didn't just buy it more than a year ago, but they renovated the Milan Lanes and may or may not have just purchased. He neither confirms nor denies purchasing the Blue Cat, which I understand. I I, I understand that. I don't want to do any, say anything on the record, um, but. But we were talking about the fact that I think Rock Island is a good buy low opportunity right now in terms of opening businesses. I think that, you know, there's got there's a lot of potential here um, and um, people could snap up real estate at a reasonable price, could, you know, start up a business at a much more reasonable rate, maybe. And um, we talked about that in our previous interview prior to the election. Uh, is that something that you guys, that you, uh, the council, uh, anyone who's doing you know outreach, have sold to people in trying to spur economic growth? And have you seen any traction in regard to it? We are seeing some traction, and we uh, do use that. You can buy more uh, for your money in uh, in the Illinois side, not just Rock Island, but the Illinois side. Right. Uh, whether it be residential homes, whether it be businesses, and so there is a a, a good buys out there to be had. Uh, for whatever reason, whether it be the state of Illinois' uh, laws and everything else that are driving it, cities, etc. But currently, uh, in Illinois, you can you 
can make some good buys. You know, some of the people are just retiring and getting ready to to move on to the next stage in their life and are looking to move the move their business. And so you're not buying just real estate; you're buying a, a business, and so uh, that makes a difference also. Uh, as far as what's happening, you know, I, I talked to one of the uh, new owners uh, of uh, Blue Cat, and he's said, "Hey, we, we want to be part of uh, the renewed district. Uh, we know that the city of Rock Island is wanting to revive it and." make some changes and they want to be part of it so in this case it's not they're looking for just a good deal they want to be civic minded and be part of the solution well yeah i mean for example again we'll get back to that but um bob harrington moving he's opening a new uh, ragged down here next to Roztox. and i remember i actually filmed a movie filmed scenes from a movie with the guys for with um uh, Blue Box, the guys who did A Quiet Place, we did movie scenes down there on that 2nd Avenue stretch when it was deserted back in the mid-2000s. And, you know, we could just film car scenes and have, like, you know, the cars stop and whatever because there was no one down there. It was completely deserted. It was, you know, the, the outreach center and the thrift store and D-Films, and that was about it. Uh, and now at that, you look at that and you've got Roz Talks and there are some other businesses down there, and it's looking really good. And now you've got Bob moving over from Davenport. Um, you've got a little retail shop, but it's a retail shop, the vinyl shop that I think is going to um, going to work really well, especially in um, concert with Roz Talks. What do you see in terms of any ex- uh, expansion for that particular stretch down there? Because you look at that, and you've got Roz Talks, you've got Ragged, um, you've got the beginnings of you know maybe this little kind of you know bohemian type of sub district within the district. You know, I think there uh, we haven't focused on any one area specifically saying we want to have just down there expand everything else, but there's no doubt that there is uh, continued uh, involvement and, and encouragement uh, for to continue to the, the renovation and rejuvenation of uh, that area and along with several others. Um, and the city council is encouraging that and trying to find uh, financial incentives to encourage it also. Uh, but yeah, there's no doubt you, you see the uh, uh, DeSoto building down there with the wood turners and the pottery, D-films, uh, the motorcycle place. I mean, it's just a number of uh, operations down there. Uh, the city's doing a little street work down there at the end of the court, um, cleaning that up nice. And so it's really uh, Dumarche uh, uh, live-work type uh, condos. There's just a number of great things that are happening in that uh, neighborhood uh, that are very positive. Uh, the old, uh, not quite down that far, but uh, the old uh, hunters slash gunchies uh, is going to have uh, a new uh, uh, place in there coming soon um, and what's that going to be it's uh, going to be called um, Lucky Bernie's uh, it's a uh, high, high end deli uh, where they serve uh, uh, boar's head uh, type belly meat uh, along with they will have some gaming down there uh, but it'll be a high end uh, deli you can eat uh, there or take it out sandwiches or uh, 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 basically like grocery shopping uh, and take for home some for home uh, so that'll be coming in in the near future uh, here. Another thing, uh, and Dylan and I have talked about this, Rock Island has the most affordable housing downtown of any of the downtown areas. Um, and that's something that a lot of people don't know. Uh, how do you market something like that to people, especially the young professionals, people that are going to be interested in buying homes or buying you know, townhouses, condos, whatever, downtown? 
you know the city has not itself has not done a lot of marketing uh, of those housing units and everything else. The city doesn't own them, and so but most part the owners of those buildings have been doing the marketing along with the real estate uh, people have been doing it. But we've been marketing more of trying to have the amenities for those people that live down here, whether it be the parks, uh, whether it be a grocery store, uh, whether it be a healthy uh, harvest, a place to eat, uh, different types of uh, restaurants to have down here, uh, options. Uh, we're looking for fast food. You're looking for healthy. And so the city has been promoting and trying to find businesses to make sure we have the right amenities for the people who live down here. And that helps bring people down. Yeah, you've got the grocery store now. How's that going? It's going okay. Uh, we have a few issues that we need to work with. Uh, it's, in my opinion, it's not full line enough uh, to be, I guess I classify as a C-store if I personally walk in versus a grocery store. So uh, we need to, to work with them and see if they can fill that out better. Let's talk about Blue Cat. Uh, you had your um, victory party at Blue Cat. Uh, you and I both have been you know, regulars at Blue Cat over the years. I know I was, I was both surprised and not surprised when I heard because I knew Dan and Martha were getting up there, and it makes sense certainly that you know retirement is on, on the horizon, and I know Martha's retiring, Dan's staying on for at least another year as brewmaster. But I'm still kind of surprised, obviously, to see that that Blue Cat was going to be sold. What were your feelings in regard to that, and what are your feelings in terms of the big swing, which is the new the new place, which is coming in? You know, once again, I, I congratulate Dan and Martha for a great business, great run. You know, the, the, the brewing and the micro-brewing has become quite a hit these days, and they were kind of the start of that yeah, yeah. Uh, in Rock Island. They've been around for 20-some-odd years or whatever it is. 24 years, 1994 they opened up. That's exactly, and so kudos to them to coming up with that, those ideas, sticking with it, and uh, having a great business. So uh, congratulations. They deserve a nice retirement and, and, and move it to the next stage of their life. And so that's that's my first thought, is they're great people, Rock Island uh, people, and so I like to see that happen and success. The second is, is it's good to see some something different coming in. You know, you always need to refresh things, just like we're talking about the whole downtown. And so a new name, uh, you know, once again, people say, oh, get sentimental and want to keep the name the same. They got a good following. But sometimes you need to, you know, rejuvenate things and start different, start fresh. Um, you know, the past mayor, that was, you know, he had his stamp that he put on it. Mine's a little different. The next person's going to be a little different. You can't always just keep the same way. And so I view that blue cat the same way, is that uh, the, the swing, they're, they're talking about doing some uh, renovations in there. Um, and a new name, and I assume uh, some new menu items, but yes, yeah, still doing the microbrew, so they carry that on. So I, th- I was very encouraged and, and excited to see this happen uh, versus another empty building. And so, uh, so I'm glad it's, it's happening the way it is. What are some challenges that you have had to overcome in you know, your time as mayor up to this point? Um, don't worry. I know you're just waiting for me to talk about the Walmart and the, you know, and the Jumers thing. So we'll get to that uh, because I know that was one of the big campaign issues, and that's something that obviously is, is you know, still a challenge out there. Um, but aside from those two things, which we'll talk about right after this, what are some of the other challenges that you have really had to, to, to overcome? Property ta- or property taxes, things of that nature. You know, that's probably the biggest challenge is the I'll say the budget and 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 how to keep property taxes in, in control, 
but yet have enough money to pay the bills and have some money to be able to uh, stimulate growth. Uh, and so it's a very difficult uh, situation. And so I guess that's probably the biggest struggle I have and uh, is how do we get more income coming into the city of Rock Island and in a fast enough pace uh, to keep up with the expenses. And uh, so that's been a frustrating. We have not been able to accomplish that at this point. Um, it's uh, things happen long take longer than I thought they would be to happen. And there's a number of people we've talked to. There's a number of projects that are uh, hopefully going to be coming, but it's amazing how long the decision making takes. Uh, once again, I thought a lot of times that it was the bureaucracy and the red tape at City Hall that took a long time. Uh, I'm finding no. It's unfortunately some of the private uh, citizens or the businesses uh, that take a while to make that decision what to do and how do they want to do it. Uh, so it's taking taking longer that's one of the frustrations for some of these uh, uh, things to happen whether it be retail business whether it be housing whatever it is uh, our incre- our expenses just this next coming year are increasing by 1.3 million dollars doing not there's no new employees or anything else just the pension increases pay increases um, those type of things 1.3 million where are we going to come up with 1.3 million dollars of, uh, of new expense um, we're working on cutting some more expenses, but that's very difficult to do these days. Uh, so you got to come up with revenue. And that takes some time. So it's a very frustrating moment for me. So let's hit the, you know, smack the big fish in the pond here, the Walmart situation, the Jimmer situation. Obviously, you inherited these things. Uh, you inherited these decisions, but they did loom large over the election. Um, a lot of people were talking about them going into the election. A lot of people, you know, were unhappy with the previous, um, you know, leadership in terms of this and the decisions that were made. You're kind of left to clean up this mess along with the new city council members, and there were a lot of new city council members that swept in in this election along with you. What have you guys done in terms of making progress in kind of cleaning up that mess or turning that into a, that negative into a positive? Well, you know, at this point, unfortunately, we'll talk about Levitt Street. There is no positive at this point. Um, there, and we've tried very hard in making it a positive there. We solicited a lot of grocery stores. We uh, engaged a... Uh, uh, consultant to help with the uh, grocery store specifically in that area we've contacted at this point six of them six different uh, uh, type of grocery stores and unfortunately been turned down by all six uh, we're working on some other retailers uh, we have one uh, medium-sized uh, retailer that shows an interest there I can't just bulge who that is at this point but we have one interested right now uh, but a year and a half into it, I can't say at this point there's light at that end of that tunnel. Um, uh, for 11th Street, um, you take the old Kmart store. Uh, it looks like uh, there's a good chance that could be a U-Haul uh, with a, an outlot uh, hooked with it that we can uh, put some retail there. But uh, the lights are on, the building will get cleaned up, uh, and, and it won't be another vacant building. So we should, could have some success there. Um, not as strong a success that I'd like, but it would be success. Uh, and there's other parts of the city that we've got a new Dunkin' Donut coming in, uh, 18th Avenue. Uh, and so once again, I, I know you talked specifically about the, the Walmart site, or former Walmart site. Uh, so it, it um, we're still working on that. It's not due to lack of trying by not just myself, uh, but the Economic Development Department and uh, leaders. Uh, there's a lot of people out there knocking on doors trying to get some interest. We've talked to developers. Uh, we've talked to some builders. And so we're just, we've turned shovels uh, of dirt over, but uh, haven't found anything yet, but we're not stopping. 
Well, that's good. Well, I think that's one of the frustrating things. That, one of the things people were frustrated was the fact that you know the money was spent without any sort of ironclad commitment in terms of that. And now you're kind of left holding the bill, which that was worst case scenario occurred in this case. It did. You know, I'm not going to criticize the people in the past. I mean, a lot of money was spent. Um, it cleaned it up some blight. You know, there's goods and bads that came out of that situation. And once again, you talk about uh, a, a for a platform that one mayor has or a city council has uh, could be different than the next one coming in. Uh, they were trying. You know, it's a negative now because it didn't happen. If it would have happened, would it have been a negative or positive? More people think I thought it would have been a positive. So, um, you know, kudos for them for trying something versus just just sitting there and being kind of a lame duck and, and not doing anything, just keeping status quo. So I don't want to be too, too critical of the past uh, individuals that were involved with that uh, on, on that being a failure. Uh, we only can call it a failure because it didn't happen. Uh, so, But, yes, we're picking those pieces up. We're trying to, you know, the best we can as a city council to make something happen. The chances of it being a big box, one uh, site, uh, is probably slim. It's going to have to be multiple buildings going in there, um, whether it be a restaurant and a hardware store and a grocery store and who knows exactly what. But it's going to take multiple things to fill that site versus one big box. It's interesting, though, is if you look at trends, if you look at national trends in terms of Walmart, they're closing stores. They're, they're decreasing the number of stores, but that said, demographically, they're opening more stores or they're keeping or they're seeing more success in areas that would match the demographics of 11th Street. You know, that's very true. And there's and a lot of retailers are doing this. But Walmart, what they did, it, it, timing is everything. Um, Walmart, several years ago, uh, pulled back on the new stores and put that capital into e-commerce. And they saw the Amazons of the world and a few others uh, working on e-commerce. They said, we got to catch up with that trend. And so they put their capital there. Now they've done that and still are going to do that, but now they're back into store building and in demographics like ours. And so they could come back and circle back around and say, hey, okay, uh, our, our focus has changed now and, and we're back ready to do it. And that's fine. Uh, we won't uh, turn them away. We're not going to say you had that chance or anything else, but we can't sit there and wait for that either. Uh, there's no doubt, brick. You, you see a, a number of brick and mortar uh, companies, the Best Buys, the Yonkers, the Toys R Us going under. But you know, talking to a lot of people, there are a number of other. Uh, uh, stores that are adding brick and mortar. So it's not everybody's going to uh, e-commerce and it's all going to be, uh, you know, a, a trending down. There are a number. You take, once again, Von Mars, there was an article not too long ago. They're growing. They're adding stores and brick and mortar. Um, so there are people out there that are doing it. Well, I think you have to look at the microeconomic reasons for that. I mean, you look at Von Maher, and I, I saw that article, and I thought, wow, that's, gee, what a surprise. In an economy where the wealthy are prospering, a store and stores that cater to the wealthy are doing great. Who'd have thunk it, Mike? You know, I mean, what a, what a you know, stunning development. Of course, stores that are going to appeal to the affluent are going to do well in an economic era in which the affluent are doing well and continue to do well. Um, that's the same thing as we were just talking about in regard to Walmart. They, as I mentioned, I'd read this, that they were first, they were stripping back, going to a lot more e-commerce, but then they came back and they were doubling down on brick and mortar in areas where e-commerce wasn't as strong 
young. Then you had more blue-collar demographics like Rock Island, like 11th Street. And so you could see that, that happening. Costco continues to prosper. But then again, you have to also ask yourself which products are going to be ordered online and you know gotten to you in an expedient fashion and groceries I st- it's still going to be problematic to order groceries online unless you kind of have an eBay store type of mentality where people order the groceries online and someone delivers them I think just because of the you know ephemeral nature of groceries having an expiration date for the most part you can't order fresh produce and okay we'll get it to you in five to seven days because by that time you know the bananas are going to be brown so it's just <clears throat> utilizing common sense <clears throat> utilizing common sense in regard to how these businesses are going to thrive or not. Um, Which businesses do you think could potentially come in or what do you think could potentially be done in that area to sort of salvage it? I know you mentioned, you know, one or two things, but is there anything else like kind of out of the box or that you guys have sort of, you know, seen coming that could potentially uh, produce some revenue there. Well, I, I guess I mentioned the grocery store, and I think that that's a, a viable. I still believe there's a grocery desert uh, in that part of town. A hardware store is, is another one. Uh, we have a couple nice ones in Rock Island, but that, once again, geographic area and a full-line hardware store, uh, I think we could use, and it would be very well supported. You know, another one is entertainment. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, call it family entertainment. Um, bowling, laser tag, uh, uh, there's a number of uh, arcade-type stuff, I think is another thing that could go down there uh, that would be utilized very well. Um, you know, I'm not the most creative on these different things, but, you know, people say I can't buy a pair of jeans in, in, in Rock Island, uh, so maybe a clothing. Uh, there's no doubt that, that you can buy a lot of that stuff e-commerce-wise, uh, but I think there's still a, enough people out there that like to try it, feel it, you know, exchange, so to speak, uh, the convenience, uh, that there would be worthwhile to have a, some type of clothing. Now, whether you find a certain niche, whether it be country western, whether it be just all over sports or, or what it is, I don't no, I'm not an expert at that, uh, but I still think a clothing would be uh, sufficient down there also and do well. Um, I just think that it needs to be a, a, a type of business that uh, caters to the area uh, that fits to make it a success. We don't want to attract anybody uh, there with a lot of incentives and everything else that we don't feel is going to be a long-term ex- uh, ex- success. Uh, so, so I just think that those type of businesses would, would, would do well down there. I think a, a restaurant. And it doesn't have to be a fast food restaurant. It could be an olive garden, to, not to repeat what uh, Moline's got, but something of that sort. Uh, something maybe you see uh, on the Iowa side. They got one of them, uh, uh, Portillo's, that they just happen to be getting. But, you know, you, you pick at the other side of the world over here in, in Rock Island, and they can deal with two of them in the Quad Cities. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think, you know, you put a Portillo's down here in Rock Island, there's enough of a geographic distance between Rock Island and 53rd that you can service the community. Absolutely. There's a number of those type of things that uh, I think that even if there's already one in the Quad Cities, you can handle another one depending on where they're located. And that's an incentive for a lot of times with companies because when they buy advertising on TV or newspapers and everything else, it's you cut your expense in half, in theory, per store. You know, if you only have one store here, you got to do a TV ad. Well, to, by putting two addresses on that TV ad, it doesn't cost you any more uh, for that ad. And so, but you can divide that expense into two different stores. And so, there's some economic sense to have more than one location of a number of types of businesses be a restaurant, be a clothing store, whatever it is, a hardware store. Uh, there's some economics there. When you're delivering uh, supplies to, reply, to replenish these stores, uh, to have them in one community, 
is very efficient. And so I think that uh, even though we don't want to be a me too, but that's what we look at is, is let's go to the 53rd and say, okay, what's over there that would work over here? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think it's smart. I think just, you know, a smart decision in terms of, you know, trying to geographically lure some of the same businesses over here because it's enough of a, it's a half hour. You know, it's a half hour, 35 minute drive, depending on traffic from downtown Rock Island to, or 11th Street-ish, you know, that area to 53rd. So it just makes sense. Um, one thing that I have heard from people that I know that own businesses on the Iowa side, that I've talked to about, hey, why don't you open something up? You know, entrepreneurs, people that own multiple businesses over there. Why don't you open something up over to, over here in Rock Island? Is oh the taxes in Illinois and oh Illinois is just such a mess. And it, to me, that seems yeah, sure. I mean, there's a there's a discrepancy, but I don't think it's as huge of a wall to climb uh, as some people as the perception. How do you combat that perception that Illinois is just difficult to work with? The taxes are way too high. Iowa is so much more business friendly than Illinois is. You know, most research we've done is you find that when you look at all the expenses that a business has and everything else, a lot of times it equals out to what Iowa is. Uh, income tax is lower on Illinois side than it is in Iowa. Uh, you look at... Uh, um, uh, I want to throw that kind of tax, but wheel tax or the license plates uh, are more expensive in Iowa than they are. Quite a bit difference, and so that lowers it over here. Uh, property taxes are a little higher here, um, but in than, than the other areas. But if you take all of those things and average them together, uh, you'll find that in a lot of cases it's pretty equal. Um, the expenses aren't always higher. Uh, and, and there's been a lot of successful businesses in Illinois. So how do they do it? It's you know some of those are saying, well, it's too expensive. Well, wait a minute, your count your competition's doing it over here. Right, uh, right. This restaurant's making it over here. It's been here for a long time. Uh, with those expenses that you're talking about are so high. So if they can succeed, why can't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they a better operator than you? As you kind of challenge them a little <laughs> bit, uh, you know. Uh, and so uh, if that was true, there'd be nobody over here. Mm-hmm. And so we just work with that. I think that we need to do is the city is there to help maybe soften those startup costs. We can work on incentives and that sort of thing, which are a frustrating thing to do, but necessary. But to soften those startup costs that it takes a while to build a customer base, whether it be retail or wholesale or whatever it is. Um, And then you from there have to take over your own business. How much does Rock Island work in concert with Milan in terms of a lot of these uh, developments? You know, we work real well with all the cities. Uh, you know, I can't speak, uh, I'll say it from the inside, uh, of how it was in previous mayors and everything else, but I can tell you right now that it's been an enjoyable experience working with the current mayors and city managers uh, that we have in all the cities, Iowa and Illinois. Everybody truly is working together. Um, there's no doubt that they're there and elected by their cities and they're the citizens in those cities. But, you know, nobody is, is being selfish and saying, I, you know, that's for me or you can't touch that. Uh, you know, I talked to a, a, a retail consultant that Moline's used for a number of years. And they said, no, we can't deal with you in Rock Island because we got a contract with Moline. I called Moline and said, hey, can we use them for this project? And they said, absolutely. Uh, we can work on the agreement in there and, and, and change that. Uh, so those type of experiences, uh, along with uh, inspectors, they had some uh, inspectors in Moline that uh, were ill and that sort of thing. We loaned them some of our inspectors, and they were working on both cities. So city staff shared. Uh, 
the uh, 911 call center. Uh, they're consolidating and doing one. It's going to be located in Milan, but the, the Moline, uh, East Moline, uh, Milan, and I think Silvis are going together and putting a, a 911 call center together. And so that kind of cooperation uh, is, you didn't see that before, and you're seeing a lot more of it today than you did in the past. It's interesting to see what this is something that you and I had talked about um, before. That we were talking, just kind of brainstorming about various businesses. And one of the things I said is, you know, I think John Deere, the corridor in John Deere, could really use a drive through coffee shop. And that was one of the businesses I was talking to someone who owns a couple of coffee shops, shops on the Iowa side. I said, why don't you build, it's the owner of Atomic. <laughs> why don't you build an Atomic over here in Rock Island on John Deere? You got, you know, you got daycare center, you got RIFAC, you've got people a lot of traffic going between you know rock island and Milan on john deere um that's you know we were talking about ah oh, you know taxes are too high blah 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 and everything i'm like you know, you know it's, i'm not that bad i'm sure that you know they work with you on it um and now you see this starbucks going in right there and of course it's right on the kind of the cusp there when you go into moline but it seems odd to me why you're building a starbucks right outside the hospital when there's a starbucks literally like you could almost walk to target there's a starbucks inside target and then there's a caribou coffee right inside of hy-vee but the reason why obviously is drive-through traffic people don't want to get out of their cars they don't want to go into target they don't want to go to hy-vee they want to just go through the drive-through at starbucks um that's what i was thinking is there you've got on john deere all this traffic people going to from work you've got the highway coming through and everything else um that's one of those things where i I think you could still see something where some sort of drive-through restaurant drive-through coffee shop something like that that's right here on john deere road i think could do really well um those are the type of things, these little sort of businesses, like where you have Kmart and stuff like that. What are some things like that, where maybe it's not the home run, but if you hit enough singles, mm-hmm. they start to add up. What are some things like that? Maybe not like, you know, oh, well, we're looking at Costco or whatever, like some smaller businesses where you can just see opportunity there that maybe you're seeing it or the city councilor is seeing it um, that just hasn't come to fruition yet but that you're thinking about? Well, you know, one small first base type deal, I'll call it Dunkin' Donuts. They have drive up and they have great coffee. I agree. At least that's what they tell me. I don't drink coffee, so I, I'm... Mike, you don't drink coffee? You've got to be kidding me. Really? No alcohol, no coffee. Are you a Mormon? No, I'm not, but unfortunately my downfall is uh, sweets. Uh. But, <laughs> but uh, so, so there's, we felt, is, is it was a single. You know, once again, not that it's a bad business or anything else, but it's not large. Uh, but we want to do the same thing with the old Kmart. That's been our thoughts and vision at this point is to, to get a business into Kmart or several businesses if it was an incubator type deal. But then the outlot being a coffee shop. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a Starbucks. I mean, it could be a Dunn Brothers. It could be Atomic. Sure, sure, it could yeah. be whoever. Uh, uh, QC Fuel over in Moline. Uh, Kim does a great job over there. Uh, and it could be her sure shop. Um, so that's what we envision is a drive-through uh, in, the, in the parking lot there of, uh, of the old Kmart. Uh, we do find that there's a bit of a separation. You know, over at the Target deal or the, in the hospital, you got to go through that loop-de-loop uh, in uh, on John Deere Road. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, right. kind of a, a bit of a pain. So we feel there's a market for it on this side of it uh, that would be well-utilized. Um, one of the things that uh, I know has been, I'm sorry, I'm keeping you from your lunch here. We're at, we're at the beautiful Theo's Java Hut in downtown Rock Island, and I'm keeping Mike from eating his BLT as we're talking. Um, but uh, one of the things that uh, we talked about, and I know, uh, you know I've talked with a couple of aldermen about, is um, the payday loan places in downtown Rock Island. And um, I think, you know, you look at it, and there's been an argument of, well, you know, if you slap 
additional taxes on these businesses. You know, it's not fair from a capitalistic standpoint. Well, you know, tough luck. <laughs> I'm sorry, tough titty in the city because this is like, I mean, really, they're taking advantage. It's a predatory business that that is taking advantage of the, you know, uh, people who are in unfortunate circumstances. And, you know, um, it, it's to me, from a moral standpoint, it's egregious from the Bible. If you look at, you know, everybody likes to take the Bible to justify their own social, you know, predilections and biases. Well, let's, okay, let's look at the Bible. It's funny to me that people never protest outside of banks, even though the Bible condemns usury five times as many times as it condemns any of the other social quote-unquote sins that people just enjoy protesting. Um, But nobody ever mentions that. The fact that excessive charging of fees is seen as a sin in the Bible. But I mean, just aside from that, any sort of religious, you know, context aside, from a human standpoint, it's egregious. Even if you don't have a soul and you don't really care one way or the other from the human perspective, let's look at it from a macroeconomic perspective. When you have someone going in and having to pay 500% interest on a loan on their pay, they're going to continue to feed money into that system. That's money that could otherwise go to businesses here in Rock Island, that could otherwise go to support local businesses and instead is going into the pocket of a payday loan company. And so it's putting people behind. It's not allowing them to grow economically. And can, and it's also not allowing the city to prosper economically from the economic growth of the individual. So to me, it doesn't seem as if it's you know hamstringing you too much to put a little bit of shoulder on these on these places and maybe put some extra fees on there, put a usury tax on them. What are your thoughts in regard to this from any of those perspectives? Like I said, even even if you take all the morality aside, I think just if you look at it from a macroeconomic perspective and you see that if people are paying less in interest to these places, they've got more discretionary income potentially to spend elsewhere. You know, I don't think the right thing is to tax them more. Uh, yeah, you know, if you tax the the, the quick loan places and else, they're going to turn and pass that on to the uh, client. Right, that's the argument too. Is that they could do that, or I mean, could you slap any sort of anything on them, or just in in terms of I don't know about the city, but I sh- I mean, I certainly think the state should do so. There should be a cap on the amount of interest you can charge somebody for a loan. There's no doubt. I, I think that there should be legislation on capping what the interest you can do. Uh, that's absolute. Uh, but to turn around and just add a, an additional sales tax or a usury tax and that sort of thing, they're going to pass that on to the client and then hurt them even worse. And so uh, you, you need to control it a different way with that. And I'm going to go back to earlier in this broadcast is what we talked about is everything in moderation, whether it be bars and that sort of thing we talked about. Same thing with these quick loan deals. Everything in moderation. You don't need one on every corner. Uh, we have, I think, three in the in the, in the city of Rock Island. That's plenty. Rock Island's not, at this point, looking at chasing them out of town. It's capitalism. It's free enterprise. Um, but do we? how many more do we need? Now, people would sit there and say, wait a minute, you're starving for businesses, property tax, sales tax, and you're not going to take one of those as, to help with that? Uh, no, you got to remember, you got to have some ethics. you got to have some morals. The city has those too, not just individuals, but the city needs to have those. Mm-hmm. What type of city do you want to be? What do you want to be viewed as? Um, and what does it say when you drive into a city and you see a, a pawn shop, a quick... Uh, a loan place and and a, and a gaming slot machine type deal. 
those three industries specifically, now it could be a couple others, too many used car lots, when you drive in and see that right off the bat, you look at, at low income. You look at poverty. You look at uh, a city that maybe would not, it, it, perception-wise, be clean. And so we don't want to give that image. As much as we'd like to see all the businesses and people thrive and those jobs created, um, it's what image do you want to make of yourself? And Rock Island's already got a problem with that perception. Mm-hmm. And we fight to, to, uh, to, to eliminate it and say there's a lot of other quality things happening. So let's not hurt ourselves by having too many of those type of things, or especially in the entrance ways of cities. And so that's where I think that it's wise to, if you want to call it a moratorium, or uh, work on, on limiting those type of things. Not taxing them more, uh, just limiting them. Um, if you're going to do more taxes and everything else, do it on somebody that currently doesn't have a sales tax on it or uh, some type of uh, user tax. Um, we've talked about uh, storage units. Uh, at this point, there's a lot of those that popped up and everything else. Um, you know, can people afford to have a small tax put on those? There's no sales tax on those. Uh, can we put a sales tax on that and generate some revenue that way? And uh, may not chase people out of town. Uh, so we need to look at the right areas to increase taxes. But um, what type of business to draw? We need to make sure that we're getting the right type, not the specific brand or anything else, but um, what, what style, what are they offering? Well, and I should retroactively apologize for my language, Mike, and, and, to, and to listeners for my colloquial, colloquialisms, which are somewhat salty at times. Um, but um, those are two of the arguments that you know I've gotten into online with people in regard to this. Uh, is One is someone who said, well, you know, capitalism unfettered, blah, 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 and all that kind of jazz. Well, you know, you put regulations on things for a reason. And, I, you know, I think anything completely unfettered ends up becoming corrupt or ends up becoming, you know, grotesquery. And capitalism is the same way. And I know this is, God, you know, forbid, this is a sin to say, but capitalism left unchained is going to run amok and it's going to be detrimental and it, it, as, as it's been shown. Sometimes you need the system to sort of keep things in check and kind of provide checks and balances. And in regard to, you know, somebody brought up gaming, I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't see the, cor- the correlation between the gamings and, and loan places. Gaming requires more of a, and yeah, it's, there's an addiction to, ga- to gambling, but I think there's more of a choice in terms of you walk into a, ga- uh, a casino or a gaming place whereas with payday loan places it's it's oftentimes the people that are going there are desperate it's they're living paycheck to paycheck and something comes up kid gets sick your car needs repairs you need that car to get to work you have no choice you've got to go in some people some people do use them irresponsibly of course as with most things you know people sometimes do the wrong thing but i think a lot of times it's just good people who find themselves in bad circumstances and they have no choice but to get a payday lo- payday loan or something of that nature and i think that they deserve the dignity they deserve the opportunity of being able to do so and to get that help without having to be gouged by a legal loan shark, which is essentially all these people are. They're legal loan sharks. You know, Before you'd go to the mob, now you go to payday loan places, and they charge you even more than the mob used to, which I think is absolutely egregious. But, you know. I, I, I totally agree. And that's, you know, there's more options today than there used to be. Uh, the credit unions are growing uh, quite strongly, and they offer some low-interest loans for people that are low-income or struggling, you know, type deal. There's certain, there are some 
laws out there that regular banks have to take and meet a certain criteria for uh, at-risk and low-income loans. And so people should be, we need to educate. That's an area we need to educate people. Go talk to the regular banks. Go talk to the credit unions and, and see if they can deal, help you out with those problems, situations, uh, before you go to a quick loan place. Uh, I'm told that there's credit unions out there that'll give you, like I say, a low interest uh, up to, I, I try and remember what it was, but I think it was like $3,000, $5,000 loan uh, without much uh, problem. Uh, so that's where we need to work on educating people and making uh, educated decisions on where to go versus just a convenient or that's the only thing they know. Because um, I think it is a crime, uh, the interest rates they create. People only have so much disposable income. They only have, uh, uh, so to take it, to lose it in that type of situation is a crime. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's, you don't want to stifle capitalism or, you know, somebody found a niche that's not as heavily regulated and they took advantage of it. There's other businesses that are the same way. Um, there's new gaming out there called sweepstakes. It's not regulated by the state. Uh, you don't win cash in a lot of cases. You win a prize. But it's still gaming. You're putting money in, not sure you're going to get something back. Well, sure, sure. And so it's still gaming. But it's unregulated. Someone found that niche that, unlike the video gaming, was regulated. This one's not. And so but again, I think it's more of a personal choice than a payday. Payday loan, you, more often than not, people are forced into the situation. Or they, they find themselves in a situation where they, they, they need the money, as opposed to gaming. I mean, no, very few people, I would think, go in and go, oh, wow, you know, I need car repairs. You know, and they go to the casino. I don't know. You know that is true. And, but we got to, once again... Are there other alternatives even to that? What is the reason they're going for the quick loan? It, to me, is if it's a car, and that, that makes sense, and transportation. But are we a little spoiled? There's great public transportation in, in the Quad City, especially the Illinois side. Great public transportation. Can they work with that instead of having to go get that loan? Uh, is an example. Now, medical is another situation, but there's a, there's people out there, there's hospitals out there that are willing to work with you. Payment plans, uh, forgiving part of it. Um, people don't understand that or hear know of those type of things uh, and before they make those decisions so that it, there's and there's a myriad of other reasons people do it don't get me wrong um, and maybe there is no option in that one in those cases but in most cases there are some other thoughts and options that I just hope people investigate uh, before doing those quick loans um we're gonna go someplace from there, and I'm trying to. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, is there a? Uh, someone told me that there was a program that the city had where people can get short-term loans uh, up to like two hundred dollars or something like that. Is that is that true? I'm not aware of the city having one. The credit loans, credit unions, I've heard of that, but not the city. Okay. So I, yeah, I just I don't know if I, I don't know of any. Uh, they've not got into that business. We have uh, uh, some uh, curlif loans for businesses. Which it's a reoccurring you know uh, circuit, uh, loan that we have from HUD. Uh, there are sometimes some grants for fixing homes up. Um, CDBG money, uh, HUD money that we have that are designed for. Uh, like I say, fixing a home up for the essentials, the, the bathrooms, the roof, and that sort of thing. But I'm not uh, familiar with just a regular loan. Um, 
what are some other areas in which um, you're working you know maybe behind the scenes with the council to uh, help improve the city that other people aren't aware of that you know you think maybe you know don't get enough publicity this is your chance to kind of toot your own horn as well as the council's horn that you guys things you guys are working on that you guys are proud of that you're working towards maybe not something that's oh wow we're gonna have this boom within the next couple months but just as you you know and you and i both know i mean government is an incremental process and sometimes it takes a while to get these things off the ground but what are some of the things that your vision is moving towards and you're working towards you know uh, real quick you talk about tooting horns and i want to make sure that uh, this is that not only mine and the city council and they work well together and and we have visions but the city staff has also works hard behind it because you know the, the city council sets these visions and everything else but someone has to implement it who's going to do the physical investigation or work of it and implementation and then ends up city staff and so they deserve a kudos for the follow-through on a lot of these issues. But some of those issues you're talking about that I think have been great behind the scenes, uh, for the more part, is community involvement. Uh, we've really uh, added an extra emphasis of that. Emphasis of that. Um, there's more and more city staff now participating in the neighborhood uh, parties and the neighborhood meetings that they have monthly. Uh, we got a community involvement in a little urban park that we did up on uh, 30th Street and, 8th and uh, 14th Avenue. Uh, we uh, got a lot of good input from uh, the community around there, and it's a beautiful little park uh, up there. Uh, along with street saving, reviewing that downtown, and we have a lot of we've had some community open meetings for that and get input and so that and, and guess giving those examples a community input and involvement has uh, is upticked quite a bit and so that's been worked uh, very hard behind the scenes i've been appointing a lot of new people to different committees and commissions and i don't want to say just young people just new people mm-hmm. in some cases it's 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 older people that are retired it's young people um it was time on some of these boards and commissions to uh, to get some revitalization in those so we've been working behind the scenes on those uh, the other is uh, residential housing we've been working uh, very hard at trying to find the right spots to to try to uh, develop residential housing there isn't much land in the uh, the heart of the city, uh, but we've been taking a look at some areas that uh, there is a little chunks of land, and how can we develop those? Who's it owned by? Is it owned by a school or a church, uh, uh, et cetera? Can we make some agreements or work on this to get some new housing starts in the city? Our Southwest Rock Island offers some great opportunities, but people have some uh, troubles with that. They feel it's too far out. It's not close enough to schools. And so we want to make sure that we have a good variety of opportunities for those. Um, so the housing, uh, we've really been working behind the scenes at trying to, to make uh, that more accessible and, and affordable. Um, and so uh, that, I guess, has is, is been coming together quite well, and uh, you'll see new things rolling out here in the near future uh, with that. Um, trying to make the community safer. Uh, you know, we worked on controversial, but the sprinkler systems in homes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to deal. But we feel that that's a, a good way to go to make it not only safer today but long term more fires are in the older homes someday these new homes are going to be old homes mm-hmm. and uh, so we feel that that's uh, uh, in the materials they use in building homes these days are different than they used to be and so we feel that that's a, a, a wise thing for the city to, to take that initiative um, city rock Island wants to be the leader in some of these things we're the only city at this point in the quad cities that does that um, but uh, so there's some times to lead and sometimes to follow, and that's when we felt it was good to lead. So that's a good initiative that we've worked on uh, behind the scenes. Uh, I'm trying to think of some others, but um, uh, you know, of course, continue to work on r- retail development and that sort of thing. But that hasn't been too much behind the scenes. It's been in front of everybody and behind the scenes. Uh, there just isn't. Uh, we we need everybody's help on that. 
Um, someone asked me to ask you about the uh, courthouse controversy. Um, what were your thoughts on that, and um, what do you, how do you feel about the outcome? You know, uh, I think the, the outcome is the right thing today. Um, I wish it could have been preserved. You know, we, we want to look back and throw blame and everything else, and, and so I hate to do that, but uh, I just, there was poor thinking um, by past county board members and county administration uh, deal on that and not maintaining it rightly. When they had, there was a time that the county was flushing money. And that's when they should have been maintaining it versus doing some of the things they did. Um, so shame on them back then. Mm -hmm. But they're dealt what they've got now. And that building uh, has a lot of tough issues with it. Uh, I've walked through it. Um, and it would be very, very expensive to bring it up to the right standards. Um, there's no doubt there's, that was debated highly. Is it, is it $20 million or is it $10 million? Uh, You don't have to do the asbestos. You eliminate the asbestos, you can cover it up. There's a lot of different philosophies in that, and I'm not an expert to, to determine that. But, um, but at this point, you do eventually have to move on. You, you can only debate this so long and move on. I love old buildings. That's a great building. Uh, it's going to be sad to see it go, but I think it's a necessary thing to do um, and move on to the next era. Seeming as if uh, legalization of marijuana is becoming an inevitability in Illinois. Illinois seems to be moving towards it. Um, and we're seeing, I mean, behind the scenes here in Rock Island, um, in Rock Island County at least, um, you're starting to see kind of people emerge in terms of, you know, maybe positioning themselves to take advantage of that, um, which, you know, from a commercial standpoint, it makes sense. I mean, if I had some extra money sitting around, I'd certainly be hedging my bets and trying to, you know, get in on that market too. Um, what are your feelings in regard to that? Um, if Illinois becomes a uh, recreationally legal state, how do you feel that that could benefit um not just the state, but also Rock Island. Um, where would you see Rock Island standing in terms of uh, dispensaries and things of that nature? I, you know, I'm not opposed to it. Um, once again, I, I'm like a, maybe a lot of others. That's one that I would tax fairly heavy. Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't legalize it and bring it on just for that. That's not. I think that's the wrong reason to to say, oh, it's another revenue generating, and that's the the right thing to do. Um, if if it's found that it's, I'll say, safe enough, uh, that it's is better than alcohol or, or some of the other things that are already legalized, then that's fine. Um, I, I and I think the Rock Island should get on that bandwagon um i'm not sure we should that's one that we should lead uh, but i think we should get on mm -hmm. uh, I, i'm not opposed to totally opposed to it um but i'm not out promoting it either uh, i hate to be neutral so to speak on that uh, <laughs> but you know uh you know I, I guess that the only thing, part that i'm not saying i'm not gonna oppose it i'm not out there strongly opposing it and, and saying it shouldn't happen and uh, with legislations or the city or anything else so i'm sitting saying is i'm kind of neutral on it if it happens fine if it doesn't happen i'm okay with that also um having dispensaries and, and that's sort of thing in rock on i'm okay with that it's, once again it's a tax revenue uh we're looking for that free enterprise once again everything in moderation mm -hmm. yeah i mean i just i drove out to san diego in june and i drove through I'm 3300 miles i drove through colorado drove through nevada drove through california 
all of whom have you know legal and have dispensaries and stuff and i'll tell you mike it was like a dystopian future where it was mad max it was complete chaos where everybody was just going nuts and you know oh my the marijuana had just gotten into their souls and corrupted them horribly and of course i'm kidding (laughs) it was absolutely nothing like nothing of the sort (laughs) interesting enough the governor of colorado has thrown it out there he says he was not too sure that's the best thing for Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, their crime rate has gone up, and they've had some uh, problems uh, uh, with it. Uh, you know, how to regulate it. You know, if someone gets in a car accident, uh, how to determine what the legal uh, limit is or sure. should be. You know, alcohol, we got the .08 or .04 and, and, and that sort of thing. And marijuana is a little harder, and it takes longer to to, uh, to get a result. You can't just do a blood right, test right. and or on the scene a sobriety-type test is easy. And so, you know, you think about it, if you had a, a child or a loved one who was killed in a car accident and it was because someone who was under the influence, not just of alcohol, because we already have that, sure. but now how about marijuana? Right. Would you sort of say, oh, shoot, they shouldn't have had to legalize that. My loved one was killed because of that. Sure. Uh, they should make it illegal. So you can, you can look at it a lot of different ways. Right. Um, and so we, that's where we got to be careful in what slope you're going to go down and uh, in, in how... To uh, to use it, control it, to make sure it doesn't that people don't get carried. Most people don't get carried away. Anything anybody can. Alcohol is legal. People get. Oh yeah. yeah, no doubt. I mean, there are drunk drivers all over the. You know, I mean, right. unfortunately, there are drunk drivers all over the place. You go out on any weekend, and you're gonna. You know, there are drunk drivers on the road. Yeah. It's just the way it goes. And, and there's been. Problems. I'm not saying I'm not justifying it in any way, shape, or form. And I agree with you 100. percent There's needs to be control over it and repercussions if you do drive while high or the same way there are repercussions if you drive while drunk. That's correct. I mean, so the thing, some might, like I say, if you're on the argument uh, side against it, it's understand, okay, so you got drunk drivers out there now, are you going to have that many more people out there driving while they're high? Mm-hmm. And so now you're going to have even more accidents and everything else. And is that what we're looking for? And what is the benefit? What benefit are we getting with the uh, for that sacrifice, um, and I, it sounds like I'm against it. I'm not. I'm just. That's where you got to be careful on when to do it and how to do it. I think I'd be curious to see. I haven't seen statistics in regard to that. I mean, obviously, I've heard about the financial windfall that Colorado's had. Um, having been out there, <clears throat> it's not as prevalent as you might think. I mean, people, you know, I think people had the idea that the minute it went, you know, became legal, everybody was going to be just, you know, smoking pot in the streets and stuff like that. And you really don't. I mean, I hung out in Denver and Boulder and. Um, you know, call, uh, Grand Junction, Colorado Springs. I uh, went through Las Vegas. I mean, Las Vegas, Sin City. It's not as if everybody's you know smoking joints on the street or anything like that. Um, it's it's very confined, I should say. You know, you don't see that even in a place like Boulder, which is about as you know as mega lefty city, uh, mega chill city. You don't see people out on the streets just like smoking bongs or whatever. Um, it's it's not like that. It's not. It's very. It's still kind of like behind closed doors in a lot of ways. So it's inter- it's interesting to me. And I'd like to like you. I'd like to see statistics in regard to. Yeah, initially you have that financial bump, but has there been any blowback? I mean, what what if any negative repercussions have there been? Has there been a crime increase? Has there been increase in you know driving under the influence or or something of that nature because yeah i think it just makes sense you need to look at things from all perspectives in terms of both positive and negative before making a decision in regard to that and i think illinois 
in a lot of ways is doing that. They're kind of taking a wait-and-see wait approach. Um, but then they're also looking at the fact that if you, if you legalize that, then you take police manpower away from going after people who are dealing it or whatever, and then you can put that manpower elsewhere. Um, which kind of ties into another question I had is how closely do you work or how much if at all do you work with um, Neil Anderson or any of the other folks that are kind of, you know, um, more on the statewide level, but whose decisions impact Rock Island? And how do you work together in terms of, you know, improving things for Rock Island? You know, I work very close with uh, the politicians in the in the Quad City area. Uh, matter of fact, I, just earlier today I had a meeting with Neil Anderson. And we're talking about a couple of issues, and I, but I work with Mike Helpin. So Neil Anderson, I've worked with the, you know and talked to him on, on several different legislative bills: the expanded gaming bill, uh, the gun control bill, um, another one on uh, um, um, uh, midwives in homes and that sort of thing. So I've worked with him on those. But then I've worked with uh, Mike Helpin uh, on the historic tax credits mm-hmm. uh, that uh, he was up uh, spearing and helped get passed, which which worked well. So I stood side by side with Mike Helpin. In a public, in a press release, uh, supporting him and that uh, that initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've worked with him. I worked with Tony McCumbie on, on a couple issues. She doesn't get into Rock Island; is not part of her district, but right, right. work with her because it's in the Quad Cities a little bit. And and Dan Swanson. All, you know, those are the ones that I've worked uh, quite closely with mm-hmm. and talked to on a, on a regular basis about different legislation we see coming. Um, talk about uh, you know the city stuff. Uh, uh, there's a, a a business tax that we used to get ten percent of this kind of like a sales. Tax, but with business businesses, part of their income tax, uh, that the state two years ago eliminated altogether and hurt the cities financially. This last year, they reinstated half of it, five percent. Uh, we're still uh, getting shortchanged on that, and so I've been working with the legislators on that um, sales tax. They they cut back on how much sales tax we get back, um, and so I'm working with them. So I guess those are examples of things uh, both. Uh, uh, personally and with the city uh, that I've, I've dealt with them uh, and, and other legislators I mean outside the Quad Cities but not as often as much as uh, mm-hmm. those so I, I feel I'm very close with them uh, they've been able to share uh, we, we, they call me uh, we've got a good report all the way around do you work with Sherry at all? Sherry Bustos? I have a little bit, uh, not a, a tremendous amount. Uh, just haven't come up with too much federal things that we've had to, mm-hmm. to deal with that we've needed uh, her assistance. I mean, we work with HUD, uh, monies and everything else, but we've been able to, to work that out directly with the staff versus having to, uh, to work with Sherry. Uh, so haven't had the need. It's not that we can't or don't. Uh, we've, we talk to each other, once again, on a, on a fairly regular basis, but uh, I haven't had to call on her for anything specific. Now, you are a Republican, registered Republican, am I correct in that? Yes. Yes, yes. Um, but you, I've always, you know, we've had discussions before, and I've always found you to be very moderate, more of a moderate, centrist type of Republican. Um, a lot of the people on the city council who were elected to the city council are um, Democrats. I mean, you have a Democrat, uh, Dylan Parker, identifies as a Democratic Socialist. Others who also, you know, are kind of on the left side of the political spectrum. But you seem to get along real well. You seem to work really well. Um, obviously, the country is, in a lot of ways, very divided along the political spectrum. And you have a lot of people who are very far to the left, a lot of people who are very far to the right. And so we've seen this intense difficulty in regard to getting along, in regard to working together. 
But you seem to, you guys seem to make it work fairly well. Um, what advice would you have for politicians on the, you know, large, the statewide and the national level in terms of finding common ground, in terms of working together, in terms of um, respecting each other as, as human beings and as people, and as seeing things more in that central, more in that middle? Because I think more people are moderate than they are, whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. If you poll most people, and you have, I mean, whenever people have been polled, most people fall on the moderate level. They don't fall to the extremes. How do you guys make that work? And what advice, if any, would you have for people on the national or statewide level to do the same? I'll start out with one word, compromise. You know, the other one would be open-minded. I find that at this point, uh, on most issues that we've had at City Council, uh, everybody's come into a situation open-minded and willing to listen to uh, what the uh, issues are and the, and the facts that they uh, have discovered and try to work on compromise with an issue. And then the other is, you know, when a majority of people rule, on, or not say rule, but decide on something, um, the others need to get on board. You can't sit back there and, and criticize and shoot it down and everything else. Uh, you won't get anywhere. So even though if you disagree with something, a majority of the people have chose, made that choice. And whether it be a majority of the city council or whatever it is. And so you get on board and, and help support it. Um, you know, it could be a great idea. Maybe Nobody's always right. And so try it. Um, and, and so that's, I guess, I believe. And I think most of the council members are that way. Um, and so that's why it works. And, and we've been gotten along quite well. Um, we haven't agreed on everything. As you see, if you go back and look at some oh, of the city sure, councils, sure. Uh, there is some debate going on. Uh, but with, 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 it's still with respect. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that's the other thing is you need to respect each other and, 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 and not try to uh, belittle anybody. Um, so I, I see it, uh, it working quite well in the city. Um, I've seen city, Rock Island City Councils. I've seen Davenport City Councils in the past and going back a number of years where there's a lot of infighting and they just don't agree on anything. They uh, talk behind the back. They don't get unified, and it really is detrimental to that city. What are we here for but to help the city improve itself? Mm-hmm. And you can't do that if you fight amongst yourselves, even if it's not in front of city, uh, the public and city council, but even behind the scenes. Uh, you've got to be unified, and that makes a stronger city. We're here for them, not ourselves. Uh, we're not here just to put our own self-agenda there. Uh, it's what works best uh, for the citizens. And that's, once again, I'm going to say, everything in moderation. Whether it be the talk about dealing with the social uh, type of uh, thoughts and everything else, but you take somebody that's more capitalism type deal. If you work together and compromise... Uh, you can find a lot of good things can happen. You know, I find it even, I'll, I'll go to the state level. State level's got some problems, like you talk about, divided. But the local politicians aren't nearly as divided as they are in, in the, we'll say, the governor and, 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 and oh, Mike yeah, Manigan. Yeah. You take those two, for example, or <laughs> obviously, and there's some others. But if you really look at the, the Mike, Mike uh, Helpin's uh, voting and Tony's and Neil Anderson's and everything else, uh, it's very moderate. Uh, Neil Anderson's voted, you know, he, he's not a, uh, for a right-to-work state, and he's a Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's, I feel that the locally here, the Democrats and Republicans on the state level do a pretty good job working together. Um, and so and then, of course, this federal government, that's a whole other right. <laughs> conversation yeah, yeah. Uh, and else. But uh, I think that's something we've lost in society is too much of this, too much far right, too far left, people digging their heels in. Uh, there's not enough 
compromise like there used to be in, in working together um, and, and trying to accomplish the, the good of the goal. Well, yeah, because you look at it, I mean, ideologically, you have good on both sides when you have moderation. When you have people in, in, historically, um, a lot of times when you've had, uh, like, you know, in the 50s with Eisenhower, and you had a lot of Democrats in Congress, and they worked together well. Reagan in the 80s, Reagan, Republican president, Congress was Democratic, and they worked, you know, well together to, to get a lot of things accomplished. And I think, you know, both sides, and I know this is heresy to some people on either side who would, you know, pillory me for saying anything good about the other side, but... Yeah, I don't agree with the extremes, but I think if you look at the ideologies that drive both parties, um, when people hew to them in a, um, a moderate way, there are things to be learned from, from both sides. And the problem is is that too often people fall to extremes as opposed to compromising and think of thinking of things from a moderate perspective. And um, like you mentioned, you know, within the city council, it's, it's good to see that while you may disagree a lot of times, you also agree more times than not and you seem to be able to work together and it is i mean it's for people who aren't familiar rock island city council is really a disparate group in Mm -hmm. terms of political beliefs if you look at where they stand and are affiliated on the political spectrum but i think it's you know a good thing that you guys all seem to be able to you know work together despite the fact that you are falling on such you know differences on the political spectrum um I think we've hit all the points that people have asked me to ask you about and that I had for you. Um, is there anything that you want to add that we have not talked about that you want to talk about in regard to the city, in regard to you know plans for the future, um, things that you would like to get out there to people listening to this? You know, I, I want to say that uh, if we keep a positive attitude, uh, that helps. Um, sure, we all have issues and everything else, but let's keep a positive attitude. Talk positively. You know, the city of Rock Island is going to have in the next, in, in the rest of eighteen and into nineteen, almost a hundred million dollars of capital investment happening. We got ten million dollars in a building downtown Rock Island here that's going to be renovated. We got ten million dollars uh, by a manufacturing firm that's going to be invested in, in invested in a building in Rock Island. We got sixty-five million dollars in housing that's going to be uh, invested in two different properties. Properties uh, in Rock Island. We've got uh, things like uh, retail, like Dunkin' Donut happening, uh, and uh, a few other small ones. And so, those are positive things. A hundred million, almost a hundred million dollars in a, in a twelve-month span. Uh, it goes over eighteen and nineteen, but a twelve-month span is going to be invested, and we're working on more. There's more to coming. We have some great news. That I think that we'll be able to, to, to share with people in the in the near future of some other great developments. And so, those are positive things. It's, it's not uh, all negative. We're working very hard at making the City Rock Island, uh, I'll call it green. Uh, we're working uh, with a company that we're putting LED lights in. We're working with Mel- uh, Mid-America Energy to put LED lights in and get all our street lights lit again. Um, and, and looking at energy-efficient uh, issues uh, with our public works. Uh, we've been talking to solar companies and talking about putting in solar panels, um, not for the city, but to, for, for the general public to use. Uh, so there, there's conversations going in, in that direction. So there's positive things happening. People are calling us saying, hey, you know, can we do this in Rock Island? Can we do that? Um, so we sometimes always point on the negatives. Oh, there was a shooting over there, or there was this. And, and though, yes, those did happen. Not going to hide them. But there's far, far more uh, uh, positive things happening and exciting things uh, that are going on than negatives. And uh, that will help 
Uh, life's too damn short. You know, mm-hmm. so you should, ha- you know, your own life, you should uh, work on the cup is half full uh, versus half empty. And I think we should uh, talk about our cities the same way. Excellent. Mike, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you appearing on the show. I hope that, you know, it wasn't too difficult and arduous task. <laughs> no, I enjoy it very much. You know, it's good to be challenged once in a while and mentally and, uh, and philosophical. So that's great. Well, thank you very much. Once again, Mayor Mike Tomes, Mayor of Rock Island, uh, thank you for being on the show. You've been listening to QC Uncut, the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities, offering unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. Here with your host, Sean Leary. And once again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you doing so. Sorry if we've offended any of you with, with... my language or anything like that I should have warned you ahead of time that sometimes uh, things do get a little on the R-rated side but nevertheless uh, we hope you've enjoyed the conversation and found it to be enlightening, interesting and somewhat entertaining so hope you tune in again QC Uncut, this is Sean Leary have a great day